Mr. Mark Jenkins. What is up, bro? Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having <laughs> me on win-win, man. What's good? I mean, it's a win-win, bro. Everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to win. We, I mean, it's going to impact some lives, do some crazy stuff. You're in California right now. Are you still, um, obviously you're about to move into your new place. That's pretty dope. A um, lot of things, man. You're all over the damn place. Like you're flown around. You're doing trainings. You're, you're serving people 4 a.m. going into all the way at night. You're, you're all over the damn place, bro. Proud of you, man. Yeah, hey, thanks a lot. I'm I'm working, but you know, I'm trying to get on a new wave, you know, so I'm really putting that out. I'm working, but I'm I'm trying to balance at the same time. I'm trying to make sure I got the family time, right, off time to restoke the creativity and the recovery time for my all the training I'm doing, you know. So now, mm-hmm. I think the uh it's getting phased out, man. The grinding, you know, keep on grinding and don't have a life and keep on pushing and mm-hmm. enjoy your life later, you know, uh and it's I think the wellness is getting more phased in and people are starting to realize a little bit more productive when you're well in every facet you know it's true it is true i'm to be honest we were just having a brief conversation you know my story and the stuff that i've had to overcome in adversities wise i mean i was i felt like i was living a double life bro i was hustling as hard as i can hustle of building my wealth and i compromised my health yeah and that took a huge dive but then once i started to really take the extra amount of time that is needed investing because I would look at it as people say, you got to make the sacrifice. Well, sacrifice is only when you don't do it. And that's an investment in yourself if you're looking at the longevity of really putting in that time. Yeah, you, and it's not a sacrifice and you can't bank on that. You can't bank right. on taking care of your health later because you might not make it to later because you're not taking care of your health. Mm-hmm. So people will tell you to sacrifice, you know, keep on working and then you'll, you know, get a trainer later after you're rich. Hey, you may not make it to that point because you sacrifice your health. You mm-hmm. need your health as a vehicle to help you attain the wealth. And that's the big message that I'm trying to get through to, uh, to, uh, to people right now. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's become apparent through the pandemic. You know, people had less money, but they had better wellness because they were at home chilling with their families. They had more balance. You right. Know? So the question now is how can you integrate it all? And I think uh, shows like uh, yours, you do a good job at presenting all kinds Thank of different you. aspects of wellness. Yes, hundred percent. Unknowingly. Yeah. Well, Actually, to be honest with you, when the first two seasons launched for the win-win effect, it was me training 16 to 18,000 reps in America, right? So, mm-hmm. and then it blew up. And then when it blew up, I was I was very grateful and very honored. I was like, wow, that didn't, I thought my catalyst in and shit. So, and then season three happened. And then that's when, it, you know, I started look, learning into, like learning more about podcasting, media, Right. I saw a huge gap of area of an opportunity where all these podcast networks are raping people. You know what I mean? And I'm saying that right. publicly and I don't care what people think or I'm telling you the truth. They're set up very similar to a music industry and it takes a million dollars to break out an artist. Well, same thing for a podcast show. You had to look at the longevity, but the season three, season four, I started off like business people. But during my journey, not just entrepreneurial journey, I've done very well for myself, very blessed. But when I'm moving into more health and wellness, it's you see my transformation of the yeah. guests that I'm bringing on because it's what I'm attracting out. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, it, it, it's definitely a shift going on, man. I mean, there's a, yeah. lot of, there's a lot of executives who I used to have to go see to get paid at these record labels for training the artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Who, uh, a lot of them now are, are, are struggling to find work because. They can't. They couldn't make the shift to doing equitable business. Mm. They're just used to 
doing the talk, extra talk about that. Talk about that if you can. That's, that's powerful. That's <laughs> powerful. Too, they were just too used to doing exploitative business, you know, because, you know, I got into like, you know, I, I didn't have a business, you know, any type of experience. I was just a guy who was, you know, in the military, who got in shape in the military, who learned how to train and became the go to guy in the military to training people in the gym. So I didn't really know about business. And once I started training people in the record business, like this was really my first uh, taste of business. And I used to go ask my clients who were in like corporate business, like, is this how it's supposed to be done? They were like, no, man, because you know, <laughs> right. in the record business, back then you put an invoice in, whoever got the invoice tacked it up 10, 15,000, mm. you know, then they send the invoice up because they wouldn't approve your invoice unless they got paid off your invoice. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, and and th this is very similar, bro. Yeah. Business. They don't right. know anything about this stuff, but that's how it used to go down, you know, with the invoices. So, you know, for me, never even, I think the first invoice I put in was to a label that I ever created. Mm -hmm. I didn't think there was any other way to do business. So when I talk to my clients, you know, who are maybe, you know, in legitimate business, they'd be like, Mark, Mark, no, 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 no. Don't do that. These regular labels are assholes, man. They right and, and to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Also on the on the side of it, if you're not if it's not the artist or someone like that pushing it through themselves on their staff, it, there could if you depending on how you structure your deal and contract, there's certain verbiage you have to use yeah. to really stand out to win the bid or get their attention to push the invoice through. And of course they're going to do their markup. Well, that's yeah. why we're, that's why Winject Studios is, well, that's how it got built. When right. people, when I get, when I get pissed that's off, why I told that story. It's the same, right. the same exact thing. That's right. Why, that's why those guys are going to be obsolete now. hundred percent. Like, you know, even just, with some of the stuff that is coming out right now, that pre-release with Winject, it's pissing people off. They're like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? There's, you, there's no, you're changing markup. the game. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not, right. Yeah. You're not charging people all this hundreds of thousands of dollars to put a podcast out. You know, it's nope. crazy. Nope. They're like, what do you mean? Uh, uh, dude, I think it's what at the most that you'll actually invest or the most that it would take for you to have a show. You're looking at starting a show and having all those things that you would need. Do, typically what people are charging around like 10, 20 grand, but at so least you, five grand up front. You, you know, in fact, a disruptor, right? But I'm pissing them off because I am only charging. Right? I'm only charging. Disruptors. Yeah, do, yeah, right, yeah. I think something like that. So it's like oh, the, I'm only charging people what I what I have to pay for. Well, you know, that's what I did in the fitness industry. You know, uh, what, that's what my I, point. What I did with training these clients. You know, I don't train clients for retention. I only train them for transformation. Mm -hmm. So because I'm only training you to transform you, I can actually give you all the information. That's my so point. all of my clients actually get all of my celebrity training secrets. So mm -hmm. they can go on, then go on to pursue their own fitness journey, maybe learning a skill, mm -hmm. learning a martial art, getting into a sport they like. You know what I mean? Because you're not supposed to be dependent on someone else to maintain your own fitness. I'm very much against the way personal training. And because I was a disruptor in the industry, I was able to make more and more money because right. I always had a different client. So every time I had a different client, I went up in price based off the last transformation mm -hmm. and tried you to should add level up. value. That's actually that that's powerful. Just just to interject just real quick on this. And I want to make sure the listeners, listeners, if you're listening to this, I want you to understand something. If you're a entrepreneur, if you're you're landing clients, after every client, you need to reassess your price points and and level yourself up. And when you're retaining clients, you can never raise the price. Right.
That's what I'm saying. But you if know, you're keeping, so you always have yeah. to have a new. So it, it never made mm-hmm. sense to me how these trainers ran right. their business. Oh, I got this client for ten years. Oh, I don't want a client for ten years. Hell no, you I shouldn't want to have one. You to take your next fitness journey. Now you may revisit my training within a year or two. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I've acquired some new skills to teach you. So it also gives a trainer time to build up their repertoire. So next time they come around with the client, they have that much more to offer them. But mm-hmm. I, I never thought it was a great business deal for client retention. I don't know why trainers do it. I don't. I don't understand. You know, you know that, why they do it. You know why they do it. You know why yeah, they do I, it. Yeah, though they're, they're looking at. They're looking. The yeah, it's it's the same record business uh, podcast type of style of business where it's, it's almost exploitative because yeah, that, the that's a good point. on you and it's not empowering you know so well, it's kind of like is shifting though it's a lot of disruptors there, there is and i think that's where you're going to see that there was well, already happening a massive shift i did this in an educational approach and that's how i built the programs that i built and sold them for the price points that i did and i've done this i've pissed people off in entrepreneurship for the last seven years i'm just going to do it now in media so it they emulate the result. They don't they don't emulate that. What they should be emulating is working on themselves and going within. And that's something that we both champion is really not just giving them what they want. We give them what they need. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. And I, it, yeah. it's especially when you're working with a, pro, a pretty predominant name like Diddy's, uh, the, uh, you know, of course, yeah. Mary J. Blige. I mean, dealing with someone like that, you, you know what I mean? Diddy that's or- different. Or Mary J. Blige or, or Beyonce, you know, let's say I'm charging them at the time, you know, 50, 60 grand for a month of training. And then we get out on the road and they're not training every day. Mm-hmm. And they're calling me like, yo, Mark, you know, we're paying you. <laughs> You're out here, 50, 60 grand. You got you got per diem. Like, you know, what the fuck, man? How, why aren't yeah. you seeing, why aren't you training so-and-so training me every day? And I'm like, listen, you're not paying me for how much you're training. You're yeah. paying me for how good you look with how little you're training because you're not an athlete. Mm. You got to depress, you got to rehearse, you got to prepare. Your recovery system is finite. What you're paying me to do is to integrate health and wellness into your lifestyle. So I'm getting you that D'Angelo untitled body. Yes. We're doing minimal work for maximum exposure. So you're not working out five to six days a week. So you're not burning out. So you can integrate it into your lifestyle and make it a part of your lifestyle. So a lot of That's times. so powerful. Right, you That's so powerful. Them, you got to have them trust you, <laughs> and it's hard yeah. to get them to really go. And it's like, but but I'm paying you sixty. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm showing you how to do it, and I'm only charging you this for a temporary amount of time. I'm moving on to next client. So mm-hmm. take notes. Try to understand if you want to get a regular trainer after that to rock with you every day and burn out your adrenals and thyroid because you're training every day mm-hmm. and you can't recover and not sleep. You can do that, but I'm setting you on a course where. You know, you're getting maximum gain for minimal exposure. You know, yes. almost like sun tanning. You can't go out in the sun every day because you no, burn. you're gonna bur- you're gonna you're gonna hurt your skin. Right, but with the right amount of exposure and the right amount of recovery, you get a nice tan. There's a lot of conditioning side of it, and I love that you said that you pay me to integrate my you know the wellness into your life, not really how much you're training. Like perfect example, you and Nazi Katoon are cut from the same cloth and never met in person just yet. She does the same thing to me, bro. I've been, I've paid for trainers. This is like five years ago before my injury. I would pay trainers a lot of money to train me, but I would work out two or three times a day. Yeah. I meet with her once, bro. And right. I, my, I'm literally, sh- I'm shredded. Like everything's fallen off. I'm weldering down to nothing, but I'm strong. 
You know what I mean? Like I'm conditioned. Um, there's is a lot of the the neurochemistry side of it, and that's where we're gonna I'm gonna lean in with your show, the anabolic mind, and obviously presenting your show on Winject Studios, and then taking all the stuff that you've learned throughout the, all your years, and you've been doing this for how much? Like twenty years, over twenty years. Over twenty years, yeah. Over twenty years of experience, and and this is where Close it, to the thirty. Yeah, almost there. What makes him so freaking powerful that you had to hustle coming from like you were living in a projects, bro, in New York. Yeah, I got out the projects in 2000. I got in there in 93 and uh, I lived in the projects, jump a turnstile to get to work and personal train people for free. <laughs> That's right. In those free sessions, I asked how to start a business and I asked my uh, clients who were CEOs and corporate and they told me how to structure a business. And my next break came uh, with DeAngelo's publicist in 2000. So for 1994 to 2000, I ate mackerel, brown rice, and frozen vegetables every day because that's all I could afford <laughs> to get my protein, carbohydrates, you know, and get the and, and get the veggies in, and then two protein shakes. So that was what I ate every single day until my break came in 2000. D'Angelo's publicist uh, got him in great shape. He was really lean guy, skinny. Mm -hmm. Put some size on him. D'Angelo noticed, and that was my break. Uh, and uh, D'Angelo, uh, the untitled video was the video along with Mary J. Blige that got me out of the projects. Man, that's just yeah. it's such a powerful yeah. story. It's such a powerful story, and there's so much that... I mean, I think you were, you know, it's like what, 46 inch waist or something like that? 42? Yeah, I started out with a 45 inch waist. And 45. Sorry to get in shape. Yeah. Right. And the, the, this is something that Mark and I share. Uh, <laughs> we were highly recruited to go into the Navy, man. I still remember, I still remember how I was recruited. I don't think I've ever told you the story. No. I went to join the Marines. Uh huh. They're all like, they're all like one beside each other. And the Navy guy was out. Um, the Navy guy was standing outside and he was like an old, old salty dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like old senior mm -hmm, chief, mm -hmm, salty, mm -hmm. smoking a cigarette. My name's old. Let me remember this um, Winston's or something. It was oh, yeah, old school, the old school <laughs> stuff. This old guy, right? Smoking, drinking a cup of coffee, come walking up. You can smell the liquor on him and beer, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I was a Marine guy. I was out to lunch or whatever. And he was like, he said, what have you done for your country lately, boy? <laughs> That's what he said to me. <laughs> and he was like, why would you want to go join the Marines? They work for us. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I was like, I don't know anything, man. I hear that. I heard that in the recruiting station too. No, no, no. They work for us. They work for us. Yeah, they're a apartment of the Navy. And I was like, well, that makes sense. A lot of people like, know that. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had no and the, idea. Uh, and the Air Force is part of the Army. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's something I didn't know. Yeah. Hmm. Only, Interesting. Two major branches: the Army and the uh, Navy. Right. Do you know that? Um, you want to hear my Coast Guard joke? No, no. What's that? Okay, I'm going to hear my Coast Guard joke. Every Coast Guard person I see, I, I'll do this. I did this at an event the other day, um, like uh, two years ago, obviously. But um, I told him, to, he walked up. She's like, oh, my husband's in a Coast Guard. I said, oh, man, that's awesome. And he comes walking up. And I just introduced myself to him. And then he's like, yeah, he's prior military. Because I'm over here in England, so you don't really see that many Americans, like prior military or whatnot. So it's like, oh, he's, I, was like, I was like, damn. I was like, things must have changed. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, how are you not six foot? And they were like, you don't have to be six foot to join the Coast Guard. I was like, well, I thought that when a ship sinks, you can walk back to shore because they don't ever go out far. <laughs> they don't go anywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, he was funny. a little offended, but it was okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they always got a chip on their shoulder. Nobody really counts them as, you know. It's like a little brother. Well, they count. Yeah. They count. They count. Yeah, like... Count. 
Yeah, I, got I, mean, no, I got no beef with the Coast Guard. No, I mean, if, I will never have any beef. If I go start drowning or something, I need the yeah, Coast Guard, yeah, you know? They, they, they serve a good purpose. They help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so New York, right? And you're going yes. and bouncing around. Let's go back to New York. Let's go back when, right before you went into the military, right? And yes. it, let's go into that part of Mark. Do you believe, and this is the, and I think that, and especially in New York, and I, there's a level of hustle that comes when you're coming from that type of world, right? Yeah. Do you think that, you know, we're around like 16 years old, 17 years old, Mark, did you think that you would probably potentially have the life that you live today? I mean, or was that even... 16, 17 year old Mark, I thought I was going to die every yeah. day in uh, Brooklyn, you know, not being on, being at the bottom of the food chain. You know, mm-hmm. having a fat gut, not being able to get any girls, not being popular in school, getting bullied, running home. I didn't think I was going to um, see 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so, you know, for me, it, I didn't really have anything to lose. I went to the Navy recruiter. They told me to have McDonald's on the aircraft carrier. I was <laughs> like, shit, I'm ducking bullets anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a, you know, I think that's yeah, a yeah, saying, though. But yeah. Yeah, I said, I'm ducking bullets anyway. There's, there's crack vials on the floor, me walking to school. They got McDonald's. But <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom bankrupted herself, sending my sister to uh, Penn State. Yeah. There's no money for me to go to college. So it, it just seemed like, you know. Thing hey, to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was my angle was like, I needed it because, you know, just, well, granted, I think you were in Gulf War. I went to obviously mine. I, I enlisted in 98, well, early enlistment program, and then obviously served into 2004. It was mm-hmm. technically 99 to 2004. I, when I look back at that time, I mean, even before then, education pushed. The only way to really make it is that you had a, cr- like a crazy, wicked jump shot, play some football, sports, any type of sports, get a scholarship, or if you can go into the military and get college money. Like, yeah. Because you have to go to college. Anyway, you have to go through college to be able to make something of yourself. So that's, you know, that was my main funny. purpose. I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday and I was having a conversation and they were like, you know, um, you know, you guys in the military, you know, you guys are so clean cut. And I said, you know, it's funny because when I joined the 88, they still had the program, you know, like if you were a first time offender or you had a good lawyer, either you could serve your jail sentence or you could join the military. 100%, so, bro. I met killers, bro. Killers. Criminals. Yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> I was, and, and the person I was talking to, they were like, what? I said, you know, when I was in the military, that was 88, they had Crips and Bloods um, getting into shit. On, on, on the, the carriers, on the and, carriers, and, bro. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. I've seen it, yeah. This, this shit's real, bro. Yeah, a lot of what? people don't realize that, man. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the military are on the run from <laughs> various different things. But all of this stuff helped me become a better trainer because I was able to relate to people, you know, coming yeah. from New York, where I came from, being in the military, would you have people who are true patriots, just want to join and serve the country, mm-hmm. you know, who are like, oh, my, my dad is rich. You know, from every spectrum, my dad is rich, but he felt like I couldn't uh, handle the family business unless I served my country. He wasn't going to yeah. give me the money, so I'm in here to, uh, you know, I'm running from the Crips and the Bloods. I got gang members after me. <laughs> I had to get up the street. Every different spectrum of person is in the, is in the military for different reasons, right. you know. And it is. Some, and, and some trying to find themselves, some trying to get away from themselves. You know, it's interesting. You know. I know. I know exactly because I was running yeah. away from pain. Uh, yeah. My older sister passed away and I ran into the military because I just, I knew, I did kind of see my surroundings and even right now, like I, uh, Mike Jackson, he hears as my best friend since like, second grade. There's, I would, 
I would say probably at least over 10 people I went to high school with and hung out with, they're now dead. Yeah. And suicide, some by suicide, some by accident, some by getting shot, some by, and then most of the other ones are in jail or did, did a bid, some yeah, other bid. Same thing with me. Yeah, so, same thing with me. My my best friend, you know, mm. a lot of them dead are in jail, man. You know, um, it's it was crazy. the best thing I ever did. It was the best thing I ever did for myself. It, it, did, it did save me. It did save me because, you know, I was, who knows what my health would have been, and I probably wouldn't have made it out of New York at that time, you know. Mm. I probably wouldn't have survived like going to college and going through high school and all of that stuff in new york city so it was a it was a blessing definitely guys if you want to know what brooklyn was like back in mid 80s <laughs> eight, you know what i mean i want you to understand it, something it, go it watch some real. of the go watch yeah yeah, yeah go not watch right some <laughs> that shit is not like the, it is right now okay you got crack vials everywhere with, with the graffiti on the trains oh man it's it was rough bro watching ninja turtles <laughs> Did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah you can really see what it was you know it's yeah. like my mom, she used to New like, Jack you know, City. She like, please tuck your chain in. You know, at that time they were pushing people off the tracks and pulling the chain off. Pull the chain off the tracks. Crazy New York was. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it. it. You know, it's funny how things change when you go to certain areas. Um, but I think, Jube, I think that's pretty powerful in your story. That's that's where I really relate with you. When you're in the military, you get exposed to a lot, a you lot do. of different, you were, a lot of different types of seventeen. Right. And me too. I went in at 17. So, I, it, dude, it was like, it was the best thing ever I did, but it was, I, I wasn't scared of shit, but it was more of just me being exposed, especially you think Charleston, South Carolina is a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place, but I was on the other side of that track. Right. You know what I mean? So, North Charleston at that time was, it, I think it was the number one murder capital in the world in crime. On in just in North Charleston, North Charleston at the time had a huge cocaine problem, huge cocaine crack and, and whatnot. Because you have that's where we're a lot of they call it Mosquito Beach, and I'm gonna get in trouble right now. I'm probably saying this, but Mosquito Beach and Folly Beach that's where all the all the, all the coke come in. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. the state treasury guy got arrested, and he's the big huge bridge in Charleston, Arthur Ravenel Bridge. Arthur Ravenel's grandson was arrested for shit like this. Okay, and he was in state treasury. All right, so Charleston had a huge drug problem and still does in some extent, but things have changed a little bit. It's went more of like pill popping and what is that stuff? Um, fentanyl. They they mm -hmm. lace with heroin stuff, but it's I it was the best decision. And I remember going to the military out, and I remember came home after deployment, the first deployment. I did three tours, two tours in Iraqi Freedom. But when I came back, I saw everybody doing the same shit. I was like, this yeah. is the best place for me. Yeah, you had to do this the, same is the best place for me. Spend it in time, man. Yeah, you, you got to, you know, sometimes you got to get out of your environment and sometimes you have to get on death ground. You have to get into a situation where your back's against the wall. You back have no choice. You're in boot camp. You know, there's nothing. I had nothing to go back to. So it was either, I, uh, you know, I get through the mm -hmm. military or, you know, so I That's made powerful. it. <laughs> Couldn't do yes. 10 push ups, you know, when I joined. Like that yeah, you get the fat boy. Get um, the fat boy program. That's what they called it when I was in. I can't remember. They, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, I, you I can't last on every run. Couldn't do ten push-ups. You know the whole the whole shebang. But you know, I just went quick because I didn't have anything to go back to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you guys, when you get into those situations, you can refer to them later on, and they'll strengthen you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you can call on that. So when you're in those situations, never look at it as if it's a bad thing. Like, oh, my back's against the wall, and get down and get more depressed be like yeah man you're, you're learning your fighting spirit you're learning about yourself you're building your character right now you know mm -hmm. 
And uh, that's what the gym reinforces. And that's yes. what I try to teach to my clients and take them to that place where, you know, they can find that in themselves so they don't need me as a trainer mm-hmm. to get, bring the motivation. If you need the information, that's something different. But if you need the motivation, it's your body and it's your health. You should be more than motivated when you come to the gym to work with your trainer. 100%. You know, that's a prerequisite. Hard work, dedication, you know, overcoming adversity, all this stuff. You know, I think that it comes back also military stuff and just it's being around surroundings. But it's, I like to ask people not questions of what you can do for the co- you know, company or what you can do for yourself or whatever. I like to ask, like, what is the real life problem you solved and how big was it and how did you go about doing it and how much adversity have you overcome? Because anybody can tell me who, anything about themselves. Yeah, but if you haven't overcome it, you haven't overcome a little bit of adversity, then you don't know shit about life. Yeah, yeah. You, and even yeah. being, um, even being a, a, a fitness uh, icon at that time, you know, in uh, the early two thousands, you know, I go to these companies because now the sponsor influencer thing is normal. It's big. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Back then, oh, you look too threatening as a black man. We can't endorse you. Mm. Oh, oh, black guys don't sell video. You know, you know, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's big. Today. This was 2000. This is 20 something years ago. They tell you, right? Oh, black people don't work out. We're not giving you any any type of endorsement. You know, black people don't buy vitamin. You know, so it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of adversity, even doing health and wellness back then, as opposed <laughs> to now, which is exciting, mm-hmm. which is exciting now, because, you know, we uh, we get to control the narrative now, the uh, disruptors. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. We to, and we get to change the narrative. And, and now I'm telling people, listen, we're all about wellness, but we want to show you that wellness is also a $43 trillion a year business. And we want you to make money out of getting people well and get help so you can afford your own wellness. And right. that's a different message than it was before, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a different message. And there was a lot of oppression back then where even if someone had a lot of talent and whatnot, if you don't, if you don't look the part or play the part, they're pretty much making you do the song and dance to see if you'll do it and bite the apple. Right. Right. So, and if you're not going to bite that apple, then you're not going to play ball. Then they can, yeah, they, they, they don't give a shit. For you or your message or whatever. Even yeah. I'll tell you, man, I, um, I did, uh, I had a supplement kit in Oh four called the work it kit. A lot of people viewers may, may have had it, may be familiar with it out in Oh four. And it was revolutionary. It had a VHS tape in it, right? It oh, had, uh, back in the day, it had a fat burner, a muscle builder, a protein powder, a multivitamin, and an essential fat in one kit in a retail for $100. And that was when um, Diddy was running the marathon. But the company that I partnered with, uh, Pinnacle, they refused to uh, put a black man on the cover. So what? I wasn't on the box. Only on the I, VHS. Yeah, I guarantee yeah, I've yeah, probably yeah. seen this. I I remember Pinnacle's company. I remember Pinnacle. Only on the VHS. Holy shit! I didn't even know this. And I, and I had a 50-50 deal with the company. It was doing all the press and promoting, but they refused. They said if if you insist on being on the box, we can, we're not doing the deal. I remember this thing. Yeah, yeah, and they and they put a mulatto guy playing basketball. Get out of town. And that's the story. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go back and look it up yeah, after this. Now you got me. Now you peeped my curse. Uh, business venture. But, um, oh, yeah, man. yeah that's, that's how I was doing wellness business back then mm. because we weren't expected to be leaders of wellness. You know, the, one of the reasons why uh, I became the go-to guy in the industry for the celebrity with the artists was because they couldn't really get a legit trainer to get into, to train a rapper or because <laughs> <laughs> they were never interested. Everybody was looking for Brad Pitt to train. 
It wasn't a viable right. source of revenue okay. even as a trainer to get credit until I did the Untitled video. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was, uh, it was, it, that was a game changer in a whole different way in wellness uh, and inspired a, a whole bunch of people. So, you know, it, it's interesting to look back. In, in, yeah, in now. it's so, interesting, even the stuff yeah. that you bring up, you know, your people, right? And you go like, damn, there's something like, I didn't know that. I, I remember that company. That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. And if you Google that working kid, it's a mulatto guy on there. But, you know, they got oh, like I'm gonna, yeah. on the box, Mark Jenkins. You <laughs> <laughs> sons of bitches, man. That's crazy. Yeah, oh, you racist yeah. bastards. You know what I mean? It, so, it was like hardcore. Like, listen, no, we're not. If, if you force it, we're, we're out. That's a different generation. You know what? <laughs> and I was like, listen, to, to, to get the kid out, you know, and I was running the, uh, the marathon at the time and I named it Work It because I was training Missy. Yeah, that's a good angle. That's a great song. That was a great album of hers. Let me just compromise myself and and, and say, yeah, I had my first child. You know, I was in the financial duress trying to get the deal done. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't know if I made the right decision or not looking back at it. You know, maybe I should have stuck by my guns. Who knows? Right. And pushed. You you never, you can't, you know, it's hindsight. It's always 20-20. You know, it's... But then again, sometimes, I mean, you look back at even some of the L's, I just look at them as a pause. That's a pause. It's just a chance for me to reflect and review and contextualize my next move. Because mm-hmm. some of the some of the deals that I've made my first year in entrepreneurship, I did very well financially for myself. But after the first year, I realized that I didn't know shit about finance, like real finance and creating wealth. So I what I did was just something similar and bringing this up with you. I looked at a, at a trade-off. So I went to one of the financial people, financial, uh, he's a financial guru, like a real financial guru. I went to him and I approached him through a couple different colleagues. And these are some major players and I'm not name drop them because he's obviously in today when some of the financial stuff, but you can go on, he's got a TV show. Just everyone knows his, his initials is DR. Right. So when I went to him, it's like, I'll sell for you for free for three months. Can you have you or your staff teach me finance and how to structure deals? Mm-hmm. And once he taught me how to structure deals, I realized that I this is how I wasn't making any money, like making real, like, you know, when you make that next leap, you know, like when you start, you know, of course, doing financially well, but you're looking at a longevity play and looking more of like royalties and looking more of a smaller type of payouts and residual income coming in. And I realized how to play that game. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. I was like, it's game over. That trade off stuff is something you did at the beginning. Yeah, you got to trade off and you got to have the vision to see it through. And, you know, a lot of my clients, um, you know, I wrote the marathon originally for D'Angelo. You know, he passed on it. Uh, you know, Mary J. Blige passed on it. Diddy said yes. Got the MTV deal for making it a band and all that stuff. That was his first foray into MTV was the Diddy Runs the City. So a lot of times you got to have the vision. I went to a lot of my clients. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up, back up just for a second. I just, something just clicked. Do you remember this video went viral? And he had this, um, and it was a clip of him in like a Van Gogh, as a Van Gogh or Van Dutch, whatever the shirt was. Van Dutch. And he slammed down the phone, and he told me, I, I just got my MTV. Was that the same thing? Yeah, that was the same time. Yeah. That was when Shut I was up. For the marathon, yeah. Okay. All right. That video, I've had a copy of that video forever before it went like viral, like them people fan it. I've, I had it like on a cassette tape, and he wow. was like, did. Wow. And that was that type of energy, bro. It's the same type of energy that I wanted to emulate. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to hang out with Puff for a year and a half. We had a year and That's a half. That's dope, man. And that year and a half, we ran Funny. the marathon. And uh, he took me around the world. We trained around the world, man. Like, get on a plane. You got to have a bag ready, man. He's made, you know, he made moves. And I, 
you know, I got to see how CEOs do it and the different mm-hmm. styles of CEOing, you know. Right. Hardcore corporate versus entertainment, you know, uh, what the differences were, what the advantages were, what the, what the disadvantages were, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, you know, how to combine them to, uh, to make a movement, to get into this wellness movement. I had clients as well where I had six, seven-figure deals for them to get into wellness, and they mm-hmm. thought it was going to be, because mind you, this is 2000s, the early 2000s. They didn't right. understand how big wellness was going to be. And back then, artists were scared to co-brand because they thought it took away from them as an artist. Mm-hmm. So they would turn down million-dollar deals, $10 million deals on supplements, <laughs> food, different deals that, would, that would, they would never have to make a record again if they started right now that mm-hmm. every mainstream artist is doing right now. But they just right. didn't have the vision that's crazy wanted and, and 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 wanted to sell sunglasses or just want to be a serious artist i mean you know mm-hmm. just imagine if d'angelo had a fitness anything it would have blown up it would have blown up it would have been like the george foreman grill yeah but well he, i i think it even we probably would have even been bigger than that what was that one p90x remember yeah, that yeah yeah and but him and his management were like you know it's just about the music you know, old school type of art. You know what I mean? It's just about the mm. music. He only wants to do music. He's not interested in doing anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying the impact, I always looked at it as, man, this is so many people listen to your music at this time to get you to be an influence on wellness. It could have changed the whole culture in a whole different way. You know, like if, that, Diddy, yeah. if Diddy came out with a marathon after running that marathon, came out with our own marathon, you know, stuff like that. That's what I'm always thinking about. How to integrate the wellness in society. How can I combine two things that I love, music and wellness, mm-hmm. and, and turn it into one thing. You know, that's what excites me right now. Well, I think the hustler inside of you allows you to see bigger pictures because when you start over-exceeding expectations and you start living on the outer layer of your truest potential, you realize and you start getting exposed like these high-level thinkers. Yeah. You, yeah. Got no, you got no choice but to level up. You're going to be outcasted, and you got to keep leveling up with your clients and I think that's something that, you know, you do effortlessly was understanding the bigger picture and a bigger play. Like right now, it's expensive to eat healthy. Very expensive. It is. It is. So you got to work on your wealth, bro. Like you, you got to make money. You got to have a wellness budget. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have a wellness budget. Even if that budget is $10 a week, you got to be dictating something to you. And, and, and what can you do with that? You can Guess what? You can take a meditation class. <laughs> for free you can go somewhere you know what i mean you can go take a yoga class you can go get some uh, you can go to a workshop with that money ten dollars a week even if you have ten dollars but you have to have a budget because that will make you conscious that will have you doing something taking a step every week because now you have some money to actually do it with so a lot of times you know it starts with the intention you yeah. know thought thought word deed absolutely but after you got to get to the deed you have to take the action to do the deed you need the money so you mm-hmm. have to, you got to have a budget to get it popping, even to get a gym membership. Right. You know? No, it's true. It's true. So, that's one thing. That's one thing that people have been paying the lights on for free and they go for like a couple of weeks and they'll be like, oh, I'm sore and I don't want to go again. And yeah. they, they can't get out of their contract. <laughs> Pick your budget, buy some bands, do it at home. Now you can mm-hmm. go online, you know, but you right. got to have some type of equipment to take care of yourself. And you, and you shouldn't have that resentment in investing in yourself. Dude, I had a friend of mine when I was probably military, he's, uh, was in the military with, and he came back and he was, uh, man, he was in a special unit, right? And I'm a, he, um, he ended up passing away um, a year and a half ago. Um, no, but sorry, he was, that. yeah, it, he was homeless. And he came out and he, 
he had all his limbs and all the all the stuff. He came back mentally jacked. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And he came back and he was a cut up guy. And I remember he reached out on Facebook. This is when Facebook was Facebook. I got w- way back, right? So he reached out. I think it was probably like 2008-ish. And I was just figuring my career out. You know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So um, mental health space and whatnot. And anyways, he was homeless for a while. And he would, is a gym. He would just go to the gym and had a gym membership just to take showers. And I think, you know, he was doing well at one point, bro. He got back into like shape, mental shape. And then he got, he got, he got married, had a couple kids and then she left him. And then he spiraled out of control. Yeah, it's Um, hard, man. It's hard. Spiraled out of control. I mean, that's something like that you see with artists, right? And this is my angle that I wanted to bring up with a artist that, would have you or just say client in this situation. But I, I want to talk about the artist thing because this is massive. They get into a relationship or they have a next tour or they have this going on and maybe their relationship and, and them not working on themselves enough. Maybe their staff around them eating burgers and shit. They can't be just in a studio eating burgers in front of the damn person you're training. And that's something you do well is that you're not just training them. You're training everybody in their vicinity. Yeah. You got to get the group in on it. You know, they right. got to understand that, you know, the longer the artist is able to tour, the more money that everybody else can make. hundred percent. So it behooves them to keep the artists in a, in a healthy state. You know, but then you have, you know, you got those managers that take the artists out for drinks to sign contracts. You got you. I've seen that type of thing, too. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, you you try the best you can. You know, I'm always on the outsider coming into a group. I try Mm -hmm. to get everybody in shape on the wellness path because it's for their own wellness, too. I say, hey, man, take advantage. I'm here on someone else's dime. Why don't Mm -hmm. you use me to enhance your life and make a change and get in shape and get the same benefit? And you'd right. be surprised. Some people take advantage of it the whole tour, and, and some people won't. You know, um, but it's um, it, it's uh, it, it's fascinating. But it definitely, the group has power. So you know, in an optimal situation, like you know, if I'm with Buster, I want to get the whole flip mode training. You know what I mean? I want to mm-hmm. get I want to get everybody in on it. At least one group session a day to build their camaraderie. And usually, the artist is a lot happier about it because you're building relationships within the camaraderie group as well. yeah yeah so you're building that camaraderie, uh, the camaraderie and team building and that's a big part of uh wellness as well the social aspect so i try to teach the client wellness in this uh totality you know okay the book stuff that you had come out and all the other things you even have a deal i think a nutrition deal with um uh Chuck, is it Chuck D? Public Enemy. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on a sub deal. Oh, right oops. Trying to come oops. Out oh, yeah. Deal. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. We got a deal. We're looking for some stuff. But we're I just, I, obviously, we have conversations that we're aren't still, like. We're still requests. negotiating with the company. So <laughs> that's bad. actually good you mentioned yeah. it. Maybe it gives us yeah. a little bit more leverage. But mm-hmm. we are looking to do something uh, that's enhancing our immune systems uh, for the hip hop community. A lot of people are anti vaxxers. A lot of yeah. people um, have pre existing conditions in the community. And we wanted to do something to come out with a product that we knew would be healthy for your immune system and give you not any protection from any type of virus or disease per se, but something that's going to enhance your immune system overall. So you're a little bit more resilient to anything. That's yes, happening. you hear them. I see a lot, man. And then people have their own views and around again to a political stance with this, but they anti like taking the vaccine, but they're not taking anything else to that. Yeah, take yes, care of themselves. exactly. So here's the, here's the thing, right? You're anti-vaccination, but you're obese. Yeah, like wh- you don't you don't go in your head and say, okay, obesity is a pre-existing condition 
let me drop some weight because I'm not taking the vaccination anyway. And I'm putting more probability of getting that and mm-hmm. me being obese is affecting my immune system. So let me, or you don't say if you're a smoker, okay, I'm a non-vaxxer and I'm smoking. Let me, maybe I should fall back on that right now because I'm really not, I really don't have any protection from this the virus that's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm questioning people's decision to vax or anti-vax. What I'm questioning is that how come you're not taking any countermeasures regardless Mm-hmm. Whether you're vaccinated or not, you should be taking phytonutrients every day to enhance your immune system. Right. You should be taking prebiotics every day. You should be taking omega-3, 6, and 9 fatty acids every day. Mm-hmm. Th- these are things that almost every nutritionist is going to say, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. going to be beneficial. It's not too much debate on uh, phytonutrients. As, as a matter of fact, the CDC recommends you get a supplemental uh, phytonutrient source for your immune yep. system. Well, I mean, recommendation. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like we got to be conscious, health conscious to the point where we're conscious about everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, when your ATM money goes down, you know, to transfer money to your pocket account before you get stuck with no money. It's like Mm -hmm. get your immune system healthy because, you know, it's in deficit now with everything that's going on with stress. You know, uh, that's a big cut into your immune system, your cortisol levels, lack of sleep, all that shit they tell you about grinding and hustling and business and entrepreneuring all that stuff is detrimental to your immune system. Yes. If you're going to be doing all of that, plus you're an anti-vaxxer, invest yep. with your fitness budget. <laughs> you know, yep. be proactive on some preventative measures, working out and eating right, guys. It's easy to not think about your health because you are always, you're, we're humans. We're going to take things for granted. Right. You don't, you don't realize, I mean, you're what, I think what, 51 right now going into MMA stuff, looking yeah, I'm 51, probably in the best man, shape of your I'm life. To, you know, I'm trying to not to drop age. I'm just saying hard, you look man. fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So it was hard, bro. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I did it once. Okay. You want me to tell you about a little story? I was, bo- so I boxed in the Navy as well. So I boxed growing mm-hmm. up. I throw my hands a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what they train these seals train jujitsu brazilian jujitsu right? right so they're like training they're on the mats and they're like who they're like chris i'll spar with you if you get on, you get on the mats and i'm like all right so i needed someone to spar with me because we we're i think we we're in Bahrain at the time and i was sparring and whatnot just having a you know working mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. friendly little thing i got on that mat bro it took 20 seconds yeah and you're exhausted on top of that fighting underwater man it's exhausting that's what I'm saying. He he probably didn't. He but that's the whole thing about the Brazil. They use their weight against you mm-hmm. in force. Mm-hmm. I I was the one. I was exhausted. Yeah, everything takes. Effort. I was in great shape, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was exhausted. Boxing shape and jujitsu shape, two different things. Yeah, two different things. Two, two different completely things. different. Five things. rounds of, of grappling. Five five minute round of just rolling. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, man. Right. Because I, if you don't, because if, if you don't submit the person, your arm is so pumped you can't use it again. Right. So you right. be cranking, cranking, cranking. If you don't get the submission, your arms, then the guy just, because you're exhausted, he get, you end up tapping out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can't, mm-hmm. you can't move your arms anymore. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Well, the, the, it, tapping out, the tapping out stuff. Let me, let's, let's go into this real quick. I was actually had a conversation with someone. When you tap someone, not knock them out, then boxing's different. If you knock someone out in boxing, you knock them out, right? And then right, once right. you get knocked out once, then you know what it feels like to get knocked out. And right. Okay. And luckily for myself, I've never been knocked out in a ring, but I have been knocked out playing football. All right. Mm-hmm. Not completely out. I came in head first. And right. right. This dude is, you know, of course, playing football is always the ones you don't see get blindsided. This dude cleaned my clock. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was one of those ones. I was either gone 
or I got nailed because I was small, yeah. right? So yeah. and he popped this. I was, I was not me completely out. But when it pertains to like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA, when you tap out, that does something different to your psyche, I think. Oh, yeah, because you quit. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's but they tell you, they tell you, they're like, listen, you know, your ego, you're not going to want to tap, but, you know, and, you know, I try to go as long as I can to a certain point, but you can feel it. You yeah. know, if the person's going slow, you can I, you feel, see people, their arms you can get feel when it's about to break. You can like, okay, let me stop. You yeah. yeah. Feel, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. You can feel when you're about to pass out. But right. I, got, I had a friend of mine, he went, he took his first class and um, he got put to sleep. Mm. He forgot to, he forgot to tap. Mm. He started grabbing for the arm. <laughs> yeah, don't. That's the worst thing to and do. He woke up. He said he woke up. The class was over. They were like, yeah, what you, "Once you once you go to grab to resist, that's why they teach you not to go to grab it. When you start grabbing, yeah, is when yeah. they you know they're done. Yeah. So, but, you but know, when you but see you them try to maneuver out, you gotta be, you gotta be humble and you gotta tap. And um, you know, yeah. I've been tapped out by women. Uh, you yeah. know, so uh, a lot of a lot of my female instructors that uh, well, uh, uh, willing. <laughs> Tenth <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? uh, uh, yeah. uh, Planet, Eddie Bravo. I was training over there with those guys, man. You know, and they trained MMA and people and all that. And I'm in the beginner, you know, negative white belt class. Hmm. Um, and um, you know, I've been tapped out by females, and you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, <laughs> like on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like on purpose. Well, not on purpose. She just got. No, me. I know, I know, I know. You, you see my point? I was just joking. But, yeah, but I um, was just saying. But I was like, right. wow. If it was the street, she could have killed me. Right. That's some serious <laughs> shit, bro. Yeah, yes. That's some serious it shit. Up. It wakes you up, man. I was watching um not obviously she can't in the community. I think I mentioned earlier Nazia. I was watching her box, bro. She was throwing her hands. I was like, man, that's it's it's like one of those things where when it's a female that strong, you know what I mean? And that mm -hmm. agile, it's powerful to watch, bro. It's like wow. You know, like it's 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 different, but you see the other ones are like more masculine, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But not like the, the smaller physique in in you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't you would never think. I was like um the Ali's daughter, right? When she was tearing people's ass up. That well, was know, I enjoy uh I enjoy watching the uh a lot of female sports more than the men because the women mm -hmm. they focus more on technique. Yes, you know, that's, if, you, if you ever that's know that's that, no, matter, it. no yes. matter what sport, they, they listen more to the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You yeah, know especially I mean? like women, you know, so it's it's mm -hmm. interesting to watch as a trainer. Like you know, the women will go back and really listen to the coach in in in, in the between the rounds, whereas the guy is just like you know, yeah, he's oh, he got he he just goes, yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> the women in the NBA, they they're more team orientated. They pass the ball, they move the ball around a little bit more. You know what I mean? You always mm -hmm. see uh, the women always focus on the fundamentals a little bit more. I know this, which is interesting in, in the sports, right? Where I, the men I, will rely I, more on their physical attributes to get the same but, you know advantage. It's just true because they can use the that's something that they don't have to compromise, bro. It's kind of like yeah. one of those things where they can overcome with their masculine, like they're gonna overcome with just being very aggressive and using <laughs> their physique and strength. But you have to use technique. And I, I yeah. enjoy watching the WNBA, they can shoot, man. They can, they get yeah, you see a lot of ball movement. Yeah, the fundamentals, they man. can ball, bro. They can ball, man. Good teamwork, good passing. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's what made me upset when Kobe's um, Kobe passed away with his daughter. I thought it was because his daughter would probably end up being like probably one of oh, the yeah, best. She probably would have been one of the greatest ever, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I that was the first thing that went through my mind. But that meant something. maybe still, you never know. Yeah, no, you, you never know. know. 
like the younger ones. But anyways, babe, I know we got to run here, but the anabolic mind. Let's talk about just just briefly. Hey man, um, anabolic mind. Thank you for having me on a uh, project, uh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's man. Awesome. You know, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna cover all these topics. A lot of stuff that we spoke about now. How to integrate wellness into your lifestyle how to make your wellness work for you so it's actually a relationship you don't have that resentment and expending energy for the rest of your day because you took care of yourself first in every facet your spiritual your occupational your environmental your financial and your physical so you're you yeah. know, a total person and a bottom yes. line I can't wait for it to come out. The cover art's what I'm most proud about when my staff sent oh, it yeah, over. That came out great man that they was like it. what I was like this is fire bro yeah they this nailed it absolutely Right. So, yeah, all right, guys. Well, reach out to Mark. JenkinsFitness.com or yeah. you can email me, yeah. Mark, at MarkJenkinsFitness.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, this guy, I mean, all you have to do is just pretty much get on Winject and you'll you'll find him somewhere around here. Just go on my social. You'll see me tagging him in a bunch of stuff because it's like, man, you can support your friends, bro. You know, like. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, win-win, right. you know. Win-win. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing, creating relationships that, you know, are beneficial for both people, man. 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, be well, be you, be great. Peace out. Much love, guys. Reach out to Mark, man. Just do whatever you need to do, bro. I mean, this is a this has been a powerful episode just to kind of go a little bit more digress into your story, just a little bit more. And then also talk about some of the things where it, it really needs to be talked about more. I think my biggest takeaway was on top of that, even if you were anti-vaccine, you're not you're taking the, the permanent measures to protect yourself with your immune and just integrating that wellness in your life and all, and it's going, you're going to see the investment. You'll see the return on investment. I promise you either preventative or prescription It's up to you guys make the right choice. That's right. And you you pick prescription. They'll keep you alive. But yeah, you, they, they keep you alive, <laughs> but you know, your living won't be doing too good and you'll be spending a lot of money. All right, guys. Peace out. Thanks, man. I appreciate peace coming up, bro. on, bro. Thanks for having me. This broadcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.